Welcome to Screen Watchers, your games cast for all multi-platform news, discussion, and otherwise worthless banter. I'm Joe DeClaire. I am joined, as always, by my friend, the PvP purist, Ryan D. It's again true. We are not joined by our sound engineer, Ian K. Unfortunately, this week he is not well, and we're missing him. We're missing him. We're missing hard. him hard because we're now I am the right I am the designated replacement engineer, sound engineer, and I'm doing a fantastic job if I do say so myself. We are instead joined, however, filling our ever rotating third chair by our friend Michael Strothheim. Was How you doing? True? Not true, but that's okay. We we'll forget. Basically him. true. Yeah, Michael. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm doing well. We had you here. Uh, how did you come about our podcast? Um, um, I, I play games at a higher skill than you and listen to your <laughs> podcast and rage. Uh, think that you <laughs> missed things and demanded to come on this show. And finally, the window of opportunity came up when Ian uh, came down with a sad case of Ebola. I mean, that is really it, how everyone gets on That's what I'm saying. Like I mean, last they listen time... to it, they get upset at our inaccuracies and failures as people, <laughs> and then just come on to correct us. We, we, we tell everyone that Pokemon is the most silly and and shallow RPG of all time, and then Ian, Ian comes on and, and corrects us of our... Uh, it's a very deep game. Yeah, I've, so, I've, so I've heard. Although it takes getting to level 100 on every fucking Pokemon yeah, no, in order for you to... They made it easier in that regard, but it's still not a joke. Yeah. yeah. As always, I'd like to discuss start our discussion by talking about the games we've played this week. Mike, since you are our new guest, I'd like to let you start off talking about the games you've sure. played this week. Um, so, of course, uh, as Ryan always plays every week, I uh, played a little bit of Counter-Strike, went to another LAN event. I know that Ryan mentioned a LAN event um at some other podcast and uh we got we got crushed um last time we went two and two figured that was average uh this time did much worse one and three and uh we yeah we didn't do well we didn't do well in those games i mean we um, did badly and we should feel bad about it so so counter-strike counter-strike is a game uh out of 30 rounds so if you win 16 you win um so usually you get about eight rounds that's like a bad game we got only three rounds, CT and T half, so we we did pretty poor on uh, on two different maps. So uh, don't want to show my face to these people ever again. Very yeah, but to be fair, these are like nineteen year old college kids. I mean, they're much spryer than us. Really, that is true. We are in the coaching role at this point. I mean, yeah. we've been playing, but yeah. at this point, yeah. we're not going to really be and, high and what, level. Players. What Ryan means by that is uh, people retire by like twenty six and they become coaches for the newer generation. Um, but th- there was someone that was there who um, I, I think he said well, he was our age, but he had 80-hour uh, weeks in Counter-Strike. I was on 80-hour weeks at one point. Yeah, but you were like idling. This guy, I have no doubt in my mind, is like that is his full-time job. I'm pretty sure he's on a real team. Like he couldn't have been that good. Well, he was pretty good. Well, let's just talk for quickly for a second because I don't know the – I am not very knowledgeable in the eSports space, so I don't actually know how all of this is working. You, you say sometimes – so when you say he's doing this for money, he's on a team, or maybe he's you know doing this at, for, if for pay. Where can a gamer work in the esports space? Where can they make money? Okay, so um, as a player, uh, when you reach a high enough skill, uh, you stop actually playing the game as it was intended by Valve. Um, you, Valve has matchmaking servers with a 
a set of rules that are not optimal for players. For example, um, it's a 64 tick. That's uh, 64 times in a second that the server checks what the player is doing. And uh, there are paid services for the game where uh, they have 128 tick, literally double the amount of times the server checks on what you're doing. So a weapon accuracy, um, jumping accuracy, just everything about what you're doing, you're, you're more into the game than if you were to play on a Valve matchmaking server. And uh, additionally, um, these paid services that offer these much greater servers uh, have leagues. And if you are good enough, um, you can get prize payout. Um, usually it's probably like $2,000 max, but then there's also land events that you can go to. Sometimes they're for prizes. This is a casual land that we are going to. There's, right, but then no if prizes. you actually get good enough in that community and people recognize you, you get sponsored, you, you get on a can real get team. on a real team, and yeah. then you can play it as your job. I mean, there are people who <clears throat> yeah. play this game right, as their job. Course. I mean, thousands of people. And so additionally, who are, play, who are paying those people playing on teams? Is it just competition? Well, first of all, there's huge payouts for competitions. Yeah, yeah. One of the things sure. that happened recently is that Valve actually increased the amount of money that they're willing to spend on every major competition to $1 million. Yes. So the payouts are ex- extensive. When you join a team, what will happen is a lot of the times the teams, I mean, you can negotiate in your contract, but the teams, if you if you win, you'll only get a small percentage of that. Yeah. The organization will keep the prize, but they're paying you a salary. I mean, you're playing on yeah. this team as your job. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they'll, they'll give you salaried pay. They'll give you a computer at the snap of your fingers. You don't have to pay for technology basically ever again. So long as you're just saying, I use Logitech. You know? <laughs> yeah. And also, you use, yeah, sponsorships yeah. with large companies. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, of this course, is becoming yeah. a big thing. It's very analogous to how um, real sports work. Right. I mean, except you don't have the high school, right. the like, I mean, institutional high school feeder system. I'm, I mean, we're getting there. Obviously, we're gonna yeah, get, we got one high, I mean, one high school, the, one college now. The, that's, the uh, other thing that the that. other thing that people are talking about is um, these how these players aren't necessarily paid uh, the highest salaries. They're probably only getting like, you know, twenty thousand, thirty thousand a year, which is fine for someone that's literally playing video games a year. But uh, what these people are finding that they can do is that in their free time, in the off season or in between big tournaments or just in their free time, they su- um, they substitute um, what would be a real job salary with streaming on Twitch. Mm-hmm. People donate, people make subscriptions to them, and they just get their revenue that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Once you get – it's almost like becoming the president. Once you become the president, you can do these large speaking engagements. Then you're in the money. Right. Once you become a professional player not only in counter-strike but in the other large esports you can just start your own twitch channel and then everyone knows you're ready so you now have spot basically um subscriptions rolling in so thousands of people are paying you four dollars a month just because they feel like it and they like you and also you have a constant stream of donations so having a successful twitch channel has a lot to do with how well known you were in the scene before you start your channel uh so that yeah that's just um from the player standpoint, how you make money. Uh, like we were saying, there you reach an age where your reflexes just aren't there. And they go quick, apparently, because your mid-20s, you just can't do those aim duels like a regular younger player would do. So you go into a coaching role or uh, you use some of your uh, monetary gain over the years of you being a professional player to buy a couple of other players. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will be uh, your team. And you now own this team. So there was a team in Europe uh, that played under multiple different uh, titles. The last one was TSM, 
and uh, they were dropped for a younger team. They became too expensive. They were asking for um, more money, and I guess they just couldn't do it. So they formed Astralis, which is a professional team now where the players are also the owners. And when they start shitting the bed as players, they will now be bringing on younger players to uh, substitute themselves. So as you can tell, Mike follows the intricacies <clears throat> and the machinations of the actual Counter-Strike organizations. Uh-huh. And I keep trying to tell him on our network to host a podcast about that. Absolutely. On the, st- the Screen Watchers Network. Okay. Yeah. Where do you guys see or would like to see consuming actual esports commentary and you know coverage going in the next five years? So uh, well, this, this is easy. Um, so basically... Ten years ago, uh, ESPN was um, trying to put this stuff on TV, and they tried to make it like a reality TV. They were trying to have players yelling at the other teams from across the way, and it was just like goonish. And yeah, it, that's it, it totally insane. That's the problem. Gaming content needs to be the game. Yeah, yeah. So now what's happening is uh, ESPN and TNT are picking up Counter-Strike where uh, there will be an E-League. I think it's starting in the next two weeks, actually. Mm. And every week, um, I think twice a week, there's going to be multiple teams that are that have been added into this um, league to play off against each other. And then there's going to be like a finals. And it's all going to be televised. It's the first time it's going to be televised in a very long time. Um, you know, the only other place in the world where it's televised is in Sweden where... Counter-Strike actually makes the newspapers. Um, but there are esports televised in South Korea. That's the big thing. Oh, yeah. For years, yeah, yeah. I mean, the StarCraft scene has been televised. Large public tournaments that take place in coliseums. And this has been a thing in South Korea for 10 right. years now. It's finally coming to Western Europe. And, right. Uh, but, and, but specifically for Counter-Strike, which is just, you know, I think the most visually appealing esport to watch. Uh, personally, I can't watch MOBAs or anything like that. I think that it's... I mean, just watching MOBAs, like not knowing what any, I go to anything's sleep. happening. I'm just like, this looks like the most, yeah. yeah. The Mike has a hard thing. stance. does not like MOBAs. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm I medium. I do like them. I yeah. enjoy playing them and watching them. So yeah, I fun. mean, don't know how MOBAs actually work, you know. I mean, I have the basic foundation of how, how a MOBA works and like what, what the goal is and stuff. But just watching it, first of all, League of Legends just is the most nerdy looking game of all time. Well, I, you know, it's it's hard for me to get past that aesthetic, not being a player, of course. So obviously my opinion is, yeah, yeah, it's, it comes off as I mean, a hater. I mean, I'd, like, hater I'd like to rest my case here and say, uh, where is your uh, League of Legends? Where is your Dota 2 on TV? You don't have one. It's Counter-Strike. Like, well, here's, no, that's here's not true. The no, no, no. Here's the Storms on ESPN. Mike, yeah. people like... Dota and, also, and people yeah. like uh, League oh, of Legends. Yeah. yeah, of course. This it's, is a well, big thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you're gonna need to come. Around, you're gonna need to come right around. <laughs> we don't need to come around to anything. That's, That's the true. thing. We can exist in separate spaces. You know, I'm more analogous with a gamer who is like a TV watcher, like watching my favorite primetime shows every Sunday. Whereas you, Mike, is maybe more into watching football every Sunday. Hate it. And then whereas Ryan, <laughs> you're okay with watching football or watching basketball or this or that or whatever you know you'll watch dota you'll watch league of legends you'll watch you know you play or watch hearthstone things like that mm. so there's gonna be different types of gamers who like different types of things and that's okay we're not all the same type of gamer so that's yeah. the only thing i see obviously again not any sports at all uh from my point so don't really have much more to add other than just we'll like, get you what in. is we'll, get, we'll get you there yeah, Joey, yeah. what'd you play this week i finally started playing uh the division it finally came out uh, I was very excited to see this come out. I'm normally not a big fan of Ubisoft games yeah. because I've been 
somewhat fatigued on it. Just like I think we've most called Ubisoft games just a steaming pile of shit. Yeah. On They're this definitely not that. Absolutely not that. There are certainly some gems of I, Ubisoft games. I think the quality before. has fallen off over the years. The last good game that I've played by them was Assassin's Creed Two and like Splinter Cell Conviction. Other than that. I've there are some great UB art games that have come out. You know, all the 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 two Rayman games that have come out from them were great. Uh, Child of Light, which is I think the same developer or just using the same engine, but whatever. It's a two D RPG. Uh, was a cool game. Uh, we've spoken about spoken about that game before. Ian and I uh, kind of banter. But that's on that. just them as a publisher. We're talking about their first party titles. Right? Well, that's the a division. First party, is... That's a first okay. from first party studios. Yeah, you, this was obviously a. The amalgamation of a lot of their developers' right. works, like all of their teams, got in on this. So, and uh, I think it's actually pretty cool so far. I've been kind of craving a third-person shooter, uh, get on with my friends type of thing. I had just recently finished The Witness, and I'm actually jumped back on. And holy crap, are there some crazy secret puzzles in there? All sorts of crazy things. Watching it with you, Ryan, I literally saw three things. Yeah, I we need to played go back The Witness to. right after The Division. I'm going to talk a little bit. Yeah, we'll that is about the, the game Witness. that I played new this week. The Witness yeah. is. Crazy. Yeah, if you have not played game. The Witness, you have to jump into it. Absolutely. But so I want to hear about, about The Division. Joey, how how deep are you in The Division? Not at all. Very much just the initial hours. Okay. Can see where it could get repetitive. I have not yet even gotten into the Dark Zone, right. which is the area where you can play against other players and grab their loot that they I believe you need to be level 40 to enter the Dark Zone, but I could be wrong. You need to be level 10 to enter the first level. There's different yeah. levels. Okay. Uh, the beta may have functioned differently. In the full release game right now, the Dark, it, which is the Central Park. Listeners, okay. Central for our Park. listeners, yeah. the Division. What type of game is it? Yeah, <clears throat> all right. Well, what is going this. on? Right, I'll have to. So, the Division is the most recent uh, Ubisoft game to come out, which is an open world multiplayer, not an MMO, but multiplayer shooter. Um, at the highest level, it is very much like Destiny, where in you are playing with other players cooperatively playing um, PVE missions um, and just jumping in and trying to get the really good loot, you know, which is rewarded to you at the end of missions, trying to level up, getting new guns, things like that. And then inside this isolated area, which is Central Park, you can enter a PVP area where you can find other players, do combat with them, and obtain their loot that they have on them so whatever guns right. they're using right so but you can't leave that area unless... don't know everything so you probably know more than me okay so there's there. an, another element you can't leave the area with the loot you've collected unless you extract until you extract it so you have to defend your position right. yeah mm. so i remember that actually yeah which uh, a lot of what's fun about this game so far is very much like hell divers Ryan, yeah. you and I played that. Which I was would be down to play down. the division with you, but you're playing on the PS3, PS4. PS4. I mean. Yeah, no, no PS3, no Xbox 360. Only current gen and yeah. PC. Yeah, so I'm playing on the PS4. I would only play it on the PC though. I've, because I mean, you only it's, have a because it's a shoot. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I, because, if it was good enough, I'd buy a because PS4. Because in reality, we're dealing with the PC and last gen, which is PS4 and Xbox One. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah that is. And the case. and the fact that is, yeah, okay. That's but also good. edit this in. It's a post-apocalyptic. <laughs> shoot. Didn't catch on to that right away. I'm like, yeah, the last. gen. Wait, nope. Xbox. Oh, wait. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, yeah, problem. It definitely doesn't seem to run very well. Frame rate chunks a lot when it goes down. Playing on a PS4, on a PC, probably That's not fine. too big a problem. You're going to get those things. Yeah. Fine. But um, like, honestly, it's just what I've needed because I was saying before, The Witness, uh, very isolated game, just single player. 
uh, no HUD, which I know sounds silly, but like it's just you're isolated in this area where you're not told what to do and you have to really dig into puzzles. It's very deep, closed off game, whereas the division is very much just bombastic. Play with your friends, loot, get into a good uh, play gameplay loop. Fun. And that's definitely what I need right now. I can see it getting repetitive and I can see it getting old after a little while. Right. All games. Are yeah. Right. Well, it's true. But things like Destiny, a lot of people love that grind and love that loop. Whereas I just get bored of it after right. about 10 hours of doing the same All right. thing. So, so, what, so, what so my like main it? problem with the game, though, after seeing only a minute and after no, watching it. and knowing this going in just fundamentally, <clears throat> when I get a headshot in a shooter, like I want that person to, to go die, down, yes. to go down, to hit the floor. Like I don't want to have to make eight headshots. That, that, this is a, a major I, problem that I have do not, dislike this concept. Not really so, interested in playing, although it would be fun if I was playing on a multiplayer team with friends. I would be down to do that. Uh-huh. So, honestly, I see where you're coming from. I had the same reaction when I first started playing Fallout 3. I'd never played a shooter RPG-like game where I was just like, oh, I have to hit them four more times in the head. In the face. That really takes me out of the experience. In the face. It it, it just looks absurd. But uh, I have to say, having grown up on Halo, well, not grown up, but when I was playing first-person shooters, I was playing Halo back in the day. And they had the fiction of these energy shields that kind of uh, dismissed the idea that, okay, you have to shoot that them in the head That level of metaphor times. does not exist in this game. Yeah, these that are doesn't just really exist. People. Yeah, these are just people. people. Hold on, hold on. And I, I definitely agree that it's off and a little weird, but the fact that this game plays so much like an RPG in that way, it actually is very a lot of fun. Uh, just you, you nail three headshots and then they go down. It just, it's satisfying. They have the whole HUD that I'd be curious about it. Yeah, yeah, but like there's the comparison of you suck and you get, you have to shoot the guy seven times in the chest and it takes forever for them to go down. Or then you get two nice headshots and they go down because you have a sweet gun and you have, uh, you have skill because you're shooting them in the head. And it's just as a fun experience. But so why even have the metaphor of a person? You you have to, you could just come at it with any art style, any metaphor. Aliens. Why? Yeah, aliens would be fine. Just different blobs of cool colors. Yeah. Why? Why bring? I'll give you the reason because it's a game that they wanted to market, and right now what sells is the survivor horror or the you know a post-apocalyptic. So uh, New York is grimy, grimy so and dark. Tell me what, what you like sells. about this game, so that I can shit on your dreams afterwards. <laughs> so what I like, I mean, I've only played a few hours of this game, but what I like about this game currently is that it's online, and I'm playing with my friends. It is a an RPG-esque game, which focuses more on the RPG elements than the actual Twitch-based shooter elements. Right. Um, there's a lot of looting and uh, a good gameplay loop and always something to work towards, which is, for me right now, the, the Dark Zone and just better loot in general. Have you stumbled into, like, the builds of the characters? Like, how there's definitely, like, a build that's specifically for, like, being a medic? It's very shallow, but there is basically a skill tree that goes to... It's just a... Just three separate skill tree, three separate skill trees that you can either become a hybrid of or you can, you know, focus on one. Right. Uh, so f- what's good about that is it compel they ask of you to go into specific missions to unlock certain uh, areas of your home base. So very much mother base in Metal Gear Solid Five, you unlock certain areas of your home base and 
upgrade that in order to gain skills in certain areas. So if you want to be a med, uh, if you want to be a medic, then you have to upgrade your medical wing, which requires you beating certain missions. So it's all tied together very well uh, so far. That might kill some of the repetitiveness, like that grind to upgrade your your medical station and then okay i finally upgraded all that i can get to this and that grind to level 30 doesn't seem like it's going to be too long because i'm already at level 10 actually played only four or five hours how, so there's going to be some end game thing to look forward to how do you feel about the world building of the game does it do it for you or horrible like the most yeah. shallow okay. story Perfect. i've ever experienced so far it, like it's honestly i have no idea what's going on your character is a silent protagonist of course which just like it in this game the way it's portrayed it's just so insane like they literally like here's your sar- like here's your captain all right sergeant we're gonna go in um helicopter explodes and you jump onto another chopper yeah. like we gotta get out of here so, it's up to us it's like who the fuck are you yeah. i haven't said a word to I you i just it's, met you it's insanity the way that it's working so honestly not interested in that at all started skipping the cutscenes like three hours into this so really insane okay so my thing is that I've been watching this game on this guy's summit on uh, Twitch, and he was level 28 or 29 last night. So he's good. Ryan's saying he's pulling off these crazy headshots. And what I was actually kind of surprised at, he was playing for like 12 hours, and he was literally fighting bots with like three of his friends. Uh-huh. And he, he has a particular build where he has like a riot shield and a pistol and he's shooting people in the face doing like 7k damage. And so you're saying riot shield and right there I'm like, oh, I gotta check out the riot shield yeah. see if I can use that. I mean, I'm already excited. Sure, it, it's a particular build. But I'm saying like he's popping these people in the face point blank, making the shots because he's a skilled player and these bots aren't dropping. And that's what Ryan was saying. Like that mm. just was like tilting because basically it's non-entertainment at that point. I'm watching a guy shoot bots in the face and they're just, they have God mode on. Well, not going to lie. Uh, you guys, I'm sorry. You're watching someone play a game that you don't understand. Of course. You know, if you play and like, I don't want to say on this, but if you play many hours of Counter-Strike weekly and then you watch ex- them, you expect, you the, understand, the you know, the nuances and things that are going on. Whereas this is a game you guys have never played before and you're uh, acclimated to the philosophy of you shoot a guy in the face and they go down, right. Counter-Strike. Just the normal metaphors of shooting someone of in the face. Of shooting someone in the face. Okay, fine. But like this, they went for something different here. They decided to dismiss the whole, okay, we need to opt for some fiction that allows you to be shot in the face. They're just like, look, people want to play in this type of space uh, you know, with this kind of... Uh, aesthetic. It doesn't really matter what the story is. Well, they seem to be trying with the story, but it's terrible. Uh, and then it's a lazy story for sure. So, and then people want this type of gameplay because it's uh, creates a good gameplay loop, and not a lot of people have done it before. Yeah. You know, a multiplayer game which is more focused on the RPG mechanics than it is the shooter mechanics. Really, only I Destiny. Happen, yeah, it's yeah, and honestly, like everyone keeps, I say, highest level of. It's at the highest level, it's like Destiny, but very much more about the RPG mechanics than the skill. Destiny, if you are skilled, you will still come ahead of someone who's got a souped up gun and a fully capped, you know, character. Or something. Okay, that makes me like this game even less. Though. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand. Yeah, this game is more about <clears throat> that grind and it's more about the, you know, stats that you have. It's definitely strategic about placement where you're throwing your, you know, med kits and where you're throwing right. these bombs so, or what have you. So you. I'm not that deep yet, but it is an RPG before it's a shooter. Have like, you run into named characters yet? Yes. 
I couldn't possibly tell you what their names are. No, that's fine. But they're characters. But they're like super legendary. Yeah. I like that. Part no, but not game. like no actual. No, there's not actual <laughs> characters you fight. Oh, there's characters you fight. Like the bosses are actual characters. Right. I couldn't tell you anything about them. There are things happening around. Like there's one guy that when I we ended up killing this boss at the end of a level, it said like you killed Joe. I'm like his name's Joe. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, he had a family. He had a whole thing to him. Yeah. So you know, definitely not for the story. Definitely not an excellent game, like a game of excellence. It's a cool game right now that I'm jumping on with my friends and meeting people on. And so far, I haven't gone into the dark zone, but everyone from the beta has said that it's great. So, uh, Let me ask you something specifically. Have you guys played a game called Skyrim? Yes. How is your opinion of that game? Michael? Uh, I played 300 plus hours in Skyrim so on two so different bad. characters. Mike's finished Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people say that Skyrim is like a thousand hour game. That's just not true. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I am much better than most people then because I, I have done every mission in Skyrim. Ryan. I played like 60 hours of Skyrim and I'm, as I, like we've gone over in this podcast, not good at RPGs. Mm-hmm. But uh, Skyrim but was probably the most fun I've ever had in an RPG. I even found fun just walking around with my horse insane like, to playing as, as like an adventurer. Insane to me that you guys enjoyed Skyrim. It was okay. Because... You can't chop limbs off with just one swing of your sword. That's you have to have a leveled up sword. Least about it. Yeah. So okay. I also didn't like it. About okay, that. so you, but I, it's I a fantasy know. element. Let's pretend that there's wards in the game. So having bringing in a fantasy element. So pretend makes it that make the a... flu that's hit this fucking New York place is like made this like bubble of murdered whatever. millions, but also given other people I'll, super soldier serums. Absolutely. Okay. Fantasy is a much better thematic constraint for this type of gameplay where you're throwing fireballs, yeah. you are making up the rules. This is the most, they can sorry, be a certain it's the most number. nerdy thing to okay. like be cu- keeping you from enjoying I just think it would be so cool if the division was instead of having the theme of people running around, it was just Robots. really crazy yeah. shapes. <laughs> if they just made it totally an abstract game I will say shapes and numbers flying around I will say I will with. say the, the main enemies that I've been running into, the main bots have been like these thuggish looking characters with gas masks, but like wear the hoodies and stuff. And that's the same ubiquitous character I keep running into. And it's just infuriating. How is the street punk keeping up with me right now? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, Like level 10 street punk. Like it's ridiculous. Why even just go with me on a mind journey for a second. Why even confine yourself to the realities of what a street in New York City deals with? You could create, I mean, incredible abstract environments. New York, like it's naming streets that I know, like you go on Plymouth street and in Brooklyn, it's like you can do hey, like Brooklyn. imagine playing this game, but instead of New York, it was a bizarre MC Escher New York where when you went down one thing, you appeared in some other place, and you also had to think about that while dealing with these numbers. Mike, that's can just, you just one give idea. him a resounding amen next time you do that. So Mike just like snaps, like, there you go, Ryan's got like, it. just a like, amen, brother. <laughs> like, I make this in New York, it just makes me so mad. All right, let's go, let's go on to, to what I played. Let's do Ryan, what'd you play this? So week? I came over and played a little bit of The Witness. A game that I'm going to pick up. Same with the division, by the way. A game I'm going to pick up when it drops a little bit on Steam. Do you think the witness is worth forty dollars? I the witness is absolutely worth the forty dollars. It's worth price. more it's than forty dollars. But yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm not absolutely gonna pay forty because I don't have like the urge to play it right now. But it is one of the most amazing games that I've ever played. The production value of this game is on par and beyond. All right, let plenty me of, let me have this of, segment. Triple A yeah, yeah. games. Talk about it. I uh, well, we've talked about this. Uh, you've talked about it on this podcast like multiple three, times, three times, two now. or three times now. Yeah, and I finally played it, and I, we need to go back and talk about it. And one of the things I'm going to do is spoil something that happens in the first 
30 minutes of the game. Okay. So if you don't want to hear that, you can skip forward. Sure. Uh, here's the thing. This game is masterful. When it was coming out and when people were talking about it and we were talking about it, my main question was, why is this not a mobile game? It's just line puzzles. Yeah. Think about that. It's, it's finger puzzles. It is it's exclusively puzzles on graph paper. Well, hold on. No. You haven't played enough of the game. Right. There's Okay. That is what it appears in the beginning and what almost all the media has been for the game, that it's just these puzzles. People say it's just puzzles. First 20 minutes of this game, you do certain environments that are just puzzles. You go up to them and then you're learning things. First of all, this game takes you on a learning adventure <laughs> by showing you several puzzles that build upon each other. And it is very much like learning, like I said last week, math in school. Yeah. You learn the rules of addition. You learn the rules of subtraction. You're learning a system. You learn multiplication. And then you learn how to divide something that's been added on the top and divide. Still divi cannot divide in my life. Divide it on the bottom. You learn how to, like, it, it is as complicated, the first 30 minutes of this game, as introductory calculus is. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated. Ca I'm it telling you that, that, cal that calculus is not that complicated. Okay. For, okay. Then from I, my perspective. Okay. But it, it is a, about that level of complexity. And then there is, so so why why does this game, first of all, have one of the most beautiful environments of any game I've ever played? Because that's it's a huge production value. And that's what I was millions thinking of dollars into. when I went into the game. Why have this amazing environment if you're just doing line puzzles? Ah. There is a puzzle oh, in the first 20 minutes where you, you go up to boards in this game and do the puzzles on the board. You lock in with your camera and you look at that board. But then there's a puzzle that is basically unsolvable by just looking at the board. And you're like, you're thinking like, what, how is this possible that it's given me no clues? You back up and behind the puzzle, there is a tree that mirrors what is happening in the puzzle. A real beautiful blossom tree, like a Japanese yeah. Yeah. garden with a small apple in one of the trees. And you have to realize that the puzzle you're playing, you have to make the form of a tree in the puzzle to match what's happening in the background. And then boom, the next puzzle. So the uh, environment informs on the puzzles, like in, in so many ways. It's it's incredible. I can't ex describe to you. So how it's many just times it line puzzles, but an incredible three static three D world that you can you need to draw from to solve the puzzles. Mm -hmm. it, it is one of the most brilliant games I've ever played. If you if and you've you only like, played like if you like puzzles <laughs> at all. You have to you have to just buy this. Game. All right. Yeah. All right. You've basically made me have to spend forty dollars to buy this. But let me just talk about my experience with what I've seen. You're going through these labyrinths as if you're solving a puzzle, mm. and then you start doing like these boards, and you have to like go collect the dot and make sure that the mirror image of yourself is like reaching the end, and that's fine, whatever. Then you, there's like these parts parts where Ryan is talking about where you enter this like physical. Uh, puzzle and you realize that you, like what you've been looking at on this board is like walking between these like pillars and like getting the dot and then walking yeah out. very much there are a lot so many of the environments so let me break this down further for you you're still just doing fucking line puzzles like it's, that's just not it, it, it is only line puzzles yes yeah if you don't like line puzzles you're it's not, not like only I don't really like puzzles, puzzles but it, I'm still going to do it. I mean, this game is incredible. It's one of my favorite games of all time. How many time, hours for sure. is it? I clocked in at like 30 hours or so. Like so maybe deep, more. I'll do it though. Maybe more. Do yeah. it for you. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic game. Definitely worth it. I fully recommend it. All right, well, those are the games we play this week. Welcome to the new... Anyway, <laughs> <laughs>
We're going to talk some news. We'll be talking about the Nintendo Direct that dropped last week. We'll also talk about Lionhead Studios closing, No Man's Sky launch date, and Microsoft's evil plans for the future of PC gaming. Yeah, that's a big story. But first, the music. Last week, the Big N released a Nintendo Direct focusing on upcoming 2016 releases scheduled for the Wii U and 3DS. Some of the announcements, Paper Mario Color Splash, a new entry in the Paper Mario series, will be releasing on Wii U later this year. Star Fox Zero, which is due out this April, will be released alongside another Miyamoto-produced game called Star Fox Guard. Starring the franchise's famous klutz Slippy Toad, this quasi-minigame tasks players with defending an outpost using multiple monitors on both the TV just, and just Wii U gamepad. This is not going to be a game that's ever played by anyone. And Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Slippy the Toad game blows up on Twitch, number one <laughs> game of all time. Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE, standing for Fire Emblem. A Nintendo and Atlas crossover role-playing game inspired by the Fire Emblem and Shin Megami Tensei series is coming to North America. In other news, also some updates to the 3DS, a new Famicom-based 3DS. Um, that looked really cool. Some updates to Super Mario Maker. Some other things happened. Those were the three. All right, so I watched I at work. I listened also to this a, whole thing. Also a lot of Star Fox Zero footage being re-released at the re the re-unveiling of Star Fox Zero after the backlash of it looking like a GameCube game, yeah. which now it looks like a really nice GameCube game. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I'm okay with a sequel to Star Fox that doesn't look good, that literally looks like looks Star like Fox 2. Looks like the same 2. fucking game. Yeah. I'm okay with Star that. Fox More Star Fox 2. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. Like, yeah. There was a Star Fox 2 supposed to come out on Virtual Boy. Scrapped. Never happened. So let's bring... Okay, so Ian is not here. Uh, he's a resident Nintendo fanboy. Yeah, for sure. And he was very excited. I have to bring like some of his enthusiasm. Sure. He was very excited for this <laughs> announcement. I mean, he said, literally, he said he was crying. <laughs> he said every game that was announced was just up his alley. Really? I mean, the big takeaway, there were just a lot of... Such a casual. <laughs> there are a lot of 3DS RPGs that, that were announced. For yeah, this. yes, I, I mean, and that I don't 3DS have a 3DS and Wii U RPGs. Right. A lot of Wii U stuff, actually. Yeah, I don't have a yeah. 3DS or a Wii U. So for me, the, Hard for well, I was waiting excited, I understand. for a reason to buy the Wii U in this announcement or like something sweet to come out for the next system, like mm-hmm. a, a bomb drop. Like, this is what Zelda looks like. We're going to show you. Didn't come out. So for me, nothing was exciting except this new update. To only to the new 3DS that you can actually get Super Nintendo games. Super Nintendo. And they look pixel at perfect. the pixel perfect to the original resolution of the Super Nintendo. I heard Mike. Mike has told me over the week that he's not happy about this. No, I'm, I'm actually quite furious about it. Um, basically, all these announcements. Mike uh, can't just be like, oh, whatever. No, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm pretty pissed. Uh, none of these games really strike a chord with me. I mean, of course, Star Fox... 
not the game that this focused around Slippy Toad, the actual Star Fox game. I'm excited for Star it. Fox Zero. Yeah. yeah, Star Fox Zero. I was hoping to hear something about The Legend of Zelda. Of course, they're not going to talk about that because it's not coming out for this system it's anymore. Coming it's for coming out NX. for the NX. Uh, but what, what really uh, pissed me off, and, and I, I really do feel... I have this relationship with Nintendo as where like there I will always come back and I'll always get It's an abusive relationship. I'll I'll always buy the Nintendo product and I have encouraged my younger siblings to go pick up Nintendo products. Um and uh, but the the problem is they just make these like silly mistakes over and over again and they just they just burn me. Um the original uh Nintendo DS was actually an unfinished project when it came out. Um, oh. Talking about the gray one with the slants yeah. on the sides. Yeah, um, yeah. It, was, it was broken, essentially. Yeah. You put games in there, and you were breaking it slowly but surely. Yeah, it, it was not... Sorry? So the original... I owned one of these. What do you mean by yeah. broken? <laughs> so the original NES, uh, if you were... when the oh, original the one... NES. We can cut this whole part out. I thought you meant the DS. No, the DS. Oh, the DS it as well. the well, DS. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sorry, the, the original right, the DS. DS. Same problem, though. Similar problem. <laughs> really? Where yeah. the... Am I right? Where the, the cartridge, the you cartridge could, eject would not yeah, hold. Yeah. By the way, the NES didn't mean that. But by the way, NES literally. Oh, same they just had bad springs. Basically. So okay. when, well, yeah. I'll let Mike except except for the spring in a DS, you can't replace without voiding the warranty. Anyway, that's not the point. The NES similar problem, Ryan. They, Every time you put the game in, you and you were like pushing down on it, you were slowly but surely breaking the pins. That like read the game or that, that, that held yeah. the game in. So just really, they stuck with the cartridges and are fucking them up every time. So anyway, sorry, Michael. Loving these announcements that you know more things are going to come out for the virtual console, specifically things for the Super Nintendo. I recently just went out to buy a Super Nintendo so I can buy Final Fantasy IV and oh. Final Fantasy VI, and uh, I, I've been playing them. And one of my favorite games that I've rediscovered, Super Metroid. And I'm hearing Super Metroid is going to be coming to the 3DS. Yeah. So I'm excited. And I watched this announcement and it I totally glazed by this segment. I go home. I pick up my 3DS, which has now been collecting dust because not really – no games have come out that I've been excited for. And I go to try to download this these new Super Nintendo games, which were available right after that announcement. And it, I'm, I'm reading this message. And it says – you need the new 3DS uh-huh. in order to play these games. Uh-huh. So finally it, it clicked. And I was like, you mother... Are you, are you serious? So here I am. And I and I go and I look up. And, you know, GameStop, they have their thing online that says, if you want to get the new 3DS, it's $150 for that trade-up. And here I am saying, why did they make these 20-plus-year-old games not work on the 3DS. Why does it have to be the new 3DS? There's literally no good reason for them to not work on the 3DS. So I will say, I looked into it, and somewhere along the line, there was something that came out that said the 3DS, not the new 3DS, the 3DS cannot handle Super Nintendo games. That's the most ridiculous thing. It's such bullshit. That's the most ridiculous thing It's such bullshit because they have Super Mario World on the fucking Game Boy Advance. And I've I how many times have I bought Super Super Mario World? That was the game that I was trying to download yeah, by the way. Yeah. I bought it when I was just a wee lad. I bought it for the Super <laughs> Nintendo. I bought it when the Game Boy Advance came out. 
I bought it on the virtual console for the Wii, and I want to buy it again for the 3DS, and I literally can't. In order to play what they're charging to be a $9 game, there's no cross-platform marketing right there. no cross-buy, no nothing. I have to get a $150 premium to buy the new 3DS. And like a schmuck, I'm going to do it. I think what you're not understanding when you say the, the console can't handle it, you said the Game Boy Color could handle this game but the, no, the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance, game Boy Advance could handle it but yeah. but the new 3DS can't I think they rewrote the game for the from the ground up no. for the no, Game no, Boy no. and my pr- my proof is every virtual console game that you can download still has the same bugs as their original release point in case you talked about it in your last podcast yep. Pokemon Blue there still, still has, mis- still has missing though yeah. if you play the Pokemon Yellow game Mew Glitch is actually real. Didn't know it. Right. Uh, but I think what you're not understanding is that, yes, on the virtual console, those games will all be the same. Exactly. Because they're being emulated. They're actually emulating the old hardware. You think that the, the hardware inside the, the I think DS... that the DS can't emulate uh, the 3DS. I mean, maybe it can like 99% of the time, but 1% it's not going to get a perfect frame rate for that game. So I think f- it's so much more likely that they just want people to buy yeah, yeah, yeah. the new 3DS. What, what you're, what like you're saying is complete I mean, the, bullshit. The new 3DS has a sizable you, processor no, upgrade. Listen, you can right? download... For a yeah. new Nintendo... Fucking Super Nintendo Super game? Nintendo. you got to be kidding me that the, you can't, does, that the original 3DS yeah. doesn't have the processing I, power to run a Super Nintendo. You're, you're I understand talking about, that the hardware matters and like the way that it's built, but I, I, you're, you can't I don't. Tell me. I'm very confused why you're getting angry about this. I'm trying to tell you that when you emulate a game, I'll tell you. you need an order of magnitude. Okay, the Game Boy Advance was not emulating Super Mario. It was on the cartridge. That's, yeah. that's was, what you're saying. They the rewrote the game so that it could play on that system. I think. I mean, I I can't speak to that, but what why what you're saying is just completely absurd on two fronts. You're talking about a cartridge where the game was so tiny in terms of coding and space that the smallest of memory sticks that you carry around in your pocket it's not about the size that right of that the is game. what they're saying it is though they are saying yeah. that the game cannot process additionally on the old 3DS point number that's two, what they're saying point number 2 i don't want to go with it. i mean it's it's the, the what that it's so different in terms of like the actual memory size that it takes up and the ability to process the game right they that's absurd right they could have easily made that case, but instead they chose to say, according to Strothman here, that they they couldn't do it. Couldn't do the it. The technology was not there. Could, I'm telling you, it's games. possible that the th- because it's not it's not just running the game like from an executable on a computer. It's emulating the entire Super Nintendo system. Do you understand? Yeah, there's understand. a difference. I, there's yeah, an I overhead understand. there, and it's possible that right. so the Super Nintendo. Look, it's is possible. Not it's even totally close. possible that Nintendo is lying. This is an option. I mean, they could just Always. say they right, could just say this. Right they could Nintendo say that, is but it's also possible that they tried to emulate the um, Super Nintendo on the on the 3DS, and it worked well. Like it was, it ran and it okay. worked well, but it wasn't like to spec. Like great. Like okay, there were there I were moments no... of like low frame rate in Ridiculous. Mario. Ridiculous. Like that's possible. No. That's totally reasonable. We're talking just, about a game. We're talking about games that only that ran on less than thirty frames per second. Literally twenty four frames a second. The other thing that they're doing on the new 3DS, which I think is so interesting about this announcement, is that they're adding an additional layer of emulation in, which it's pos- definitely possible that the 3DS couldn't handle that. 
the original 3D, 3DS could not handle the ability to run at this pixel-perfect resolution. resolution. The fact that, of the matter is they're playing their consumers, as always, for fools yeah. because they're saying it couldn't have happened. It's like, no, it then couldn't have happened. Don't, don't, don't give, feed yeah. me that bullshit. I mean, Ryan, you just wanted to put it on your primary hardware that you're pushing yeah, right now. Yeah. The other thing you have for to realize— For how much longer, I don't know, because you, we all know the NX is going to be you, uh, yeah, you exactly. know, a telephone. You, you, can, you can fully download— uh, 3DS games to your 3DS off of the virtual console, and they'll run. It's not running off of a cartridge, like, and you're running full 3D models. Mike, I think you just have a fundamental understanding. Honestly, Ryan, of honestly, what Ryan, is Ryan the PSP ran Super Mario World. Fine. Thank you. Okay, and it the original has version essentially of it. the same processing power. Probably PSP is probably a little better than the than the. the old 3ds and that's a hack but that's like but that's a hack and it runs fine. it ran fine and i'm sure the 3ds could run super nintendo games thank fine. you thank you i'm fucking sure they next could, fucking story but it yeah. might but it might not run them up to you 100 you sold you yourself down the river you create bullshit so well i mean i'm make just, it i think so i just great. know a lot I more about believe hardware you. emulation than I you do and you're just like just annoying I read it. I wasn't sure what the hell I was reading. All right, I think this story is one of the most important stories in PC gaming that has. It come could up. end up being. Could. Could end up being. Yes. I mean, at least certainly for the week, mm-hmm. it is very important. Sure. So we have to go a little backstory. So understand when you're on a PC, you can run a .exe file. You install it. That's how Steam works. That's how good old game works. Microsoft has created a platform where you can install Windows, being the platform. You yep. can install programs like think about that the iphone you cannot install programs you cannot download programs and install them you can download apps you need to go through the app store it's a curated gated experience okay Mm -hmm. you cannot have a third party app store on the iphone incidentally when the iphone first came out there was a third party app store jailbroken onto the phone and this what microsoft is doing this week is what they've said for a while is they're releasing this new type of program that will run on Windows. So now it's a .exe, but they're talking about a .uwp, a Universal Windows, a Universal Windows program. program. And what that what that means, what this developer, this one developer, released this sort Tim of Sweeney scathing of editorial, yeah. is that he thinks that they will only allow you, just like on the uh, you know, on the iPhone and now sort of on Mac and on Android to only go through the Windows Store to get every application you get on Windows. I mean, what would that mean? It would mean that Steam would basically not work. So the way it works on Android and the way it works on Mac now is that you can install third-party applications, but it's the only way to do it is buried in the settings. You have to click a box that says, allow me to install third party applications. So it's not necessarily that these uh, programs can't run well, run or even run well, but there's all these obfuscations and things to get in the way to make it a very complicated process to therefore it uh, might... push, push users to uh, go with the convenient route and just rely on push the them store. only to the windows store. Right. And there's some other things that they can do, pretty insidious things that they can make it so you would only want to go through the Windows Store. First of all, what they, they can give you special features, special hardware features 
that will only work through the Windows Store. Uh So, for instance, you write one of these applications, and the only way to get someone to install it is if they go into the Windows settings, they click Allow Me to Install Unauthorized Third-Party Applications, which is something that the majority of people won't really understand or be able to do anyway. Uh Um, And then they could even say, when you do that, there are certain features that just don't work that'll only work when you buy through the Windows Store, like very particular hardware features like hardware acceleration of some sort. That's possible. Another thing that's possible is that if they lock down this new UWS, you say, well, wait, we still have the .exe ecosystem. Like, that's open. What Microsoft can do is just totally stop supporting that. So now you have Steam and these other systems, good old games, running on this original platform that Windows has a fully open platform, and Microsoft can just deprecate that in the new version of Windows. With Why the, the hell would they do that? Because they want to make money through the Windows Store. They want 30% of the gaming market so, on Windows. So you're going to take the platform that most businesses use because of its openness and, and accessibility, and they're just going to close that down? They might. And that's the same part. There is that's nothing. Where, there's nothing we're that not shows sure. this but, man but, is a madman. Hold, hold on a second. I mean, this guy's seeing the Absolutely writing on the not. wall. Absolutely not. No, not a madman. Tim Sweeney is a very pragmatic, very logical person. What he's he been do? working with. He's been working with uh, Microsoft for a long time. Yeah. Uh, what is he? The head of uh, Epic Games, mm-hmm. uh, creators of the Gears, Gears of, of War, War franchise. So definitely has been working with Microsoft for a long time. So too long didn't read version Ryan. Basically, Microsoft is trying to obfuscate any other programs outside of the Windows Store. Well, specifically, the experience of downloading the programs themselves. Once you download the programs, there's not that much of an issue. But later on, there could be a scenario, you're saying, where Windows makes the hardware, you said. Uh, basically, this is, this is really there a are, lot of conjecture. There are future worlds where you can only get access to all of the latest features of your hardware mm-hmm. if you download an app through the Windows Store. Right. So, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't see them choking themselves. So, right. Okay, which is what you're describing. Well, this me, is the evidence. I mean, do you, do you devil, not see... Devil's advocate for a hold second. Hold on. Hold on. I'll let you... Just one second. Do you not see Valve seeing the writing on the wall two years ago and creating an entire alternate OS to try to move away from Windows? I mean, Microsoft moving in this direction is not that crazy. You can imagine them doing this it would make it what's the devil's argument it would well before that it would make sense that uh this is happening right now uh tim sweeney very uh, well he articulated the fact that the writing on the wall showing up in one these uh arduous processes that you have to go through in order to download programs that being the the more stealthy approach that that microsoft is going through to weed out these third parties and on the more public front of this movement that Microsoft might be going on, Microsoft has been pushing their products like the Windows Store and more especially Windows 10 and its universal platforms of the Xbox One and PC, especially at the most recent Xbox One showcase where they very much were showcasing the PC, talking about all sort of cross-buy functionality, things like that with big names like Quantum Break, things like that. So all that could be coalescing to a message that Tim Sweeney seems to see here. Let me read the pocket here. The specific problem here is that Microsoft's shiny new universal Windows platform is locked down, and by default, it's impossible to download 
UWP apps from the website of publishers and developers to install them, update them, and conduct commerce in them outside of the Windows Store. It is true that if you dig far enough into Microsoft settings buried UI, you can find a way to install these apps by enabling sideloading, but in turning this off by default, Microsoft is unfairly disadvantaging the competition. Bigger picture, this is a feature Microsoft can revoke at any time uses Windows 10's forced update process. Basically, the idea here is just like on Android. If users have an Android phone, they'll understand this. I mean, most people just use the Google Play Store, but there are certain applications you might want to download that aren't allowed to be on the Google Play Store. One of them, a really big one, is is a, a really good ad blocker. A system-wide ad blocker would not be on the Google Play Store. Sure. You need to go into the settings, particularly click do not uh, allow me to install any app outside of the Play Store. Right. And that is a complicated process. I mean, that creates a barrier to entry that really advantages Microsoft's Microsoft store. And the question for developers is basically what are the, going to be the terms of the Microsoft store? What is the experience using the Microsoft store going to be like compared to something like Steam? Is Microsoft going to take a 30% cut like Apple does? Well, he does. T- they, he does. They do take a 30% and cut. And developers don't want to pay that 30% cut for every game. Well, the fact is they do on May 1st Alive games are in the Windows Store and they're on other platforms like PlayStation and that, Xbox. That's actually something so. that this article addresses. Um, the, the, the store uh, is mostly like really bad uh, mobile apps and stuff like that. There really isn't – like they, they mentioned uh, Grand Theft Auto V is not on this store. Right. There are some PC ports that were great mobile games and some weird things such as the Windows 10 port of the Android port of the PC version of Grand Theft Auto from 2004. Okay. So the Windows store right now is basically just a, 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 a nightmare wasteland. Right. And the question is, they're is hoping it going to, to revamp that. Story. Is it That's going to they're... get good? Sp- I mean, personally, this story is important to me because I have invested a heavy amount in my steam library yeah. of course, and want to see steam continue. And really at this and point, Microsoft ultimately does not. Well, yeah, I mean, they don't want to see Steam continue, certainly. Absolutely not, yeah. But, I mean, they should, because they should understand that they are the platform, mm-hmm. and they can allow a million platforms to thrive on top of them instead of just cutting each one down. I mean, ultimately, my allegiance is to Valve and not to Microsoft. Yes. But, Ryan, it seems fair that a company which makes this great product, uh, Windows, would want to reap benefits from the fact that they make this great platform. How dare they? <laughs> so do you think that this is not a fair approach? I don't know, just to distributing content from, through their own proprietary platform. Right? I mean, I'm always for more open platforms. I've always uh, jailbroken and hacked you're also my, for, my phone. Uh, you are also a radical communist, so yeah. there's also that. Don't think that anyone should have to work for their own. Uh, uh, certainly. <laughs> yeah. So, but do you think that this is not a fair approach for them? To I mean, I, I would I would dispute what you even mean by fair. Really, I don't think that that really. The question is, Microsoft is it, creates a platform. Is it going to be successful and popular, and is it a good move for the PC gaming ecosystem as a whole? Mm. I think those are the more more important yeah. questions. And here is the thing: we keep seeing these basically graveyard stores. I mean, the PC store, Microsoft store right now on the PC graveyard. The Apple store actually on the Mac, uh-huh. like the Mac App Store, yeah, graveyard, horrible, horrible junk just piles up in this store. The only real good examples are the mobile stores, the uh, the iPhone and Android, sure. the Google Play Store. Are they going to be successful with the Windows Store? Do developers want to give them thirty percent of their revenue 
uh-huh. for all these big games. I mean, I personally don't think that should be the future. I want to see a more open future where there's a platform and on top of that, there a million platforms can thrive and you can choose where you want to buy your games. I mean, I always think competition uh, breeds quality. Of course, yeah. If you have the obvious monopoly argument, the argument against monopolies is if you are the only person making something available, making products available, then you have absolute power over that and then you have no pressure to keep everything of good quality. Yeah. There was a great uh, interview on Polygon's uh, podcast Newsworthy where Tim Sweeney spoke very vehemently about his uh, feelings and, of course, uh, wrote this letter uh, article on this. If you want to find out more about this currently evolving, I assume will be evolving story, you can check out the show notes for that. No Man's Sky. Sure, No Man's Sky. Finally found out when it's going to be released, even though we knew when it was going to be so released. So we haven't played No Man's Sky, but I've listened to multiple podcasts now and read multiple reviews of journalists who have now gotten uh, one to two hours, a small amount of gameplay time with No Man's Sky. Have you heard these reports of people actually playing the game? Do you know oh, I've been following No Man's Sky very closely, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But So the new reports coming lot- out... Everything prior to this re- this past week, everyone has been playing the game and has been given demos by the head of the studio, uh, and they're all saying, this looks great, I can't wait for this, what the fuck is this game and what do you do in this yeah. world? Right, so for people who don't know what No Man's Sky is, it is, I heard it summed up on a podcast uh, pretty well, it is a indie idea that has been manufactured by Sony to become a triple a title so the idea is that you exist on a planet it's actually genius i mean you start on a planet you basically mine that planet for resources you can then leave the planet and go to other planets you can interact with aliens in space and trade with them it is a game that is about exploration and i would say and it exists among the only games that exist yeah that you are truly exploring it when you explore in this game, you are not exploring, you are not, You're not discovering ex- what someone's made. Yeah. You are truly exploring something that is new. The game runs on a series of algorithms that allow it to exist with no loading time. There's no, like, every it le- doesn't stop. Every, the game yeah. does not stop. There's no, like, loading sequences. Every planet is while is currently constantly rendering and procedurally generating different planets and different spaces for you to explore. You are truly exploring an algorithm. And that's what what the developer keeps saying in interviews. He's much more excited about the algorithm Uh than the gameplay. And what I've heard people say is they made this game. They, like I said, it's a small indie game that Sony really hyped up. They, they forgot to add the fun into the game. Yeah. (laughs) Like the game, the premise of the game, there's no thought given 
to will this be fun? Yeah, what there's, will you be doing in this game? Right. There's only thought given to how cool is it that we can create an entire universe mm-hmm. and you are thrown into this universe. and you... Because the scope of this game is absolutely astronomical to the most literal extent. You can go on to discover infinite numbers of worlds by the way that they built this well, game. Well, there's a finite number, but it's... Yeah, it's functionally billions of the the number was in the billions or possibly, I don't know. They were in the billions for sure. So finite is, you know, something not a relative term, but geez, like billions of planets. No one's going to see the entirety of this game. And we as a collective unit of players will never see the entirety of this game. There is something of a goal that they've set for the game. There are things that you can do that are very tropey gameplay mechanics. Like there's shooting, there's uh, ship ship-to-ship combat, sort of. Uh, It can exist, at least. You know, you have a ship that can have lasers or can collect resources. There's mining resources and things like that that you trade. There's all these different things that are added in to make it a game, and that allows you to further expand into the universe, but that is the primary goal, unless you set other ones for yourselves, as you can in a game. The primary goal is to expand further out into the universe and explore, and possibly go towards the center of the universe, which is apparently this uh, set goal for the game, uh, the developer specifically said, but mostly it's the exploring. So what I was thinking about how they would make this actually a fun experience is to add novelty of a new input of gameplay, and obviously the best choice for creating a new input of gameplay is VR. And that's what a lot of people have been saying with PlayStation VR coming out and, of course, all these PC-ready headsets that are going to be – that are already set with dates prior to June. For you experiencing the game, it's actually experiencing it. Being that person in in full – Immersion immersion would would bring it over the top and make it something that would be fun for you. Absolutely. If I were exploring this this world and like being immersed in this world, like you know, just through a TV screen, that is supposed to be the selling point of this game, as far as they're concerned. Unless there's something huge that they're just leaving out, right? Like it's like, oh, it's a fully multiplayer game. I mean, it's a multiplayer game. Everyone exists in the same server, quote unquote. So unclear. I tried to look this up. I really am not yeah, sure. I think it might know. be a big P2P system that's actually managed via people interacting almost like Bitcoin, as far as I can tell. But yeah, we don't very actually, unclear. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's very clear about how we're interacting with other players, if at all. Um, but he did say you can't really meet up with other players. Like you the can't meet up on a certain be world. Huge. I they mean, took away but a map. Even, but there was a t- map, mini map in the game. They took it out to yes. be, make it more immersive. Yeah, yeah. There's just all these sorts of things that are changed from what regular games you would expect in in regular games, so that you're always exploring. You're always essentially isolated. I mean, um, yeah. I guess if you want to play with a friend, I mean, obvious because I've seen like warp drive or hyperdrive built in i'm assuming that if you want to play and explore with another friend that you can just warp to their coordinates i'm sure like that's a feature no so i don't think there's warping in the game i think you actually there spend is the no, entire there game there is hyperdrives and warping to different planets mm-hmm. yeah absolutely that you've explored already. yeah 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 but i think you spend the entire no. game building up your warp drive to move further away yes so, you, you you have to develop you have to mine resources and set and buy better equipment in order to warp to new areas. So you guys are describing this like this uh, build process, and and the one thing that I read uh, from the article in the show notes that you gave me was um, 
that these these people, uh, when they were first starting this game, by the way, these these people um, prior basically have made total crap before. Joe it wasn't Danger. a bad game. Yeah. It was a great game. I've, it was a mobile game. I've but it never was a heard of it. Game. I've never played it. It was it like actually a... shocking that I that these people are making like pretty incredible such leaps yeah, from one mobile from, game yeah, to Yeah, they this. went from Joe Danger to which was like a semi motorbike racing game, but mm-hmm. not even a racing game, like a, a side scrolling collect the coins racer game to this. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible. So so basically what what I read again is um while they were in development of Joe Danger 2, uh, one of the two hey. founders, <laughs> new idea. <laughs> one of the, one of the founders of of, uh, of the company went ahead and grabbed four people that were doing development for this game, yeah, and walked into a, a closet and basically said, um, "We're going to be making this game." And he put like a bunch of like space theme stuff, and he said, "Like the theme is." Uh, you wanting to be an astronaut as a child. And they slowly developed it into like this much larger scheme. Uh, and when the other founder found out about it, he was pissed because he doesn't like the concept of uh, smaller groups working on their own. He said like that was like the downfall of like the previous company that he was with and mm-hmm. he hated it. But anyway, um, you guys keep mentioning like th- this builds process about how like your goal is to build this hyperdrive just so you can get farther out into space and keep exploring. What I read was that, yes, it is about this exploring, but there is no like home creation. No, no, uh, no, no home base. There's no base building and that's intentional. It's right. So, that you, so you, can so you leave the planet and, and you yeah, go. So you don't feel off. rooted to one area and, that you have to keep coming back and to. And one of the main goals of the game, at least it, it's coming off as a goal, is when you start running into like these aliens um, that are, I, I guess they do their own thing. They're on their own. Um, Most of them, yeah, there's not a lot of sentient, like, well, sentient. There's not a lot of civilizations that we've seen. They're mostly just dinosaurs roaming yeah. around. So, so this particular race is doing their own thing. Like, they're on their own trade routes, and they're trying to progress their own thing lore-wise. You know, they're doing sure. regular AI things you know, behind the scenes that we just don't see. But anytime right. that we run into them... Um, we don't understand what they're saying. It's very difficult to interact with them. And the more that we run into them, and again, they're doing their own thing, being their own race, uh, we learn a little bit more about their language. And I think that the story of the universe is unveiled through learning about their dialect. They'll, they'll explain to you what's going on. You actually do learn the uh, multiple languages are taught to you through this game. That is insanity. Yeah. That's absolutely The question ridiculous. is, is the amount that you can actually talk to them ultimately going to be restricted to? It's going to be restricted. Interacting only with trade. Yeah, I this don't is think you're going to actually be communicating with. Them but you would not. Like no, you don't communicate back, obviously. But you will learn what they are saying. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's just like arbitrary when you first start it, but you start learning words. And if you want to go deep, what I've heard is what Mike just said. Basically, you learn an alien language. Yeah. Sure. It, it so, seems like this is like a very deep lore game. I and don't think so. I think there's I no there's lore in the game. Usually. Really? Yeah, I disagree. Yeah. I, I mean, I like you guys are like struggling to like find a, a concept for the game, like what the plot is there's, going oh, to. There's I, no I'm lore. Not struggling. I, and I was, I'm saying and now I think we've seen it. I'm saying that I'm saying the plot is finishing this like core language that this 
main alien race that you're supposed to get involved with, and they teach you about the the universe. I'm telling you that that is not what what's happening. That's just a random thing that they built into they this built game. They built into they, okay, so they built like that's a, such a high concept thing to they build. They built a for series nothing. of systems <laughs> that allowed you to experience an entire universe in real time with other people, and then they went to work building. But wait. Elements that make it interesting. You just said before, we're not going to be playing with other people. You will play with other people. You th- what The stated goal of the game is to put you, when you start the game, on a planet that is so far away from other people that it's the mathematical chance of you running into another person is very low. So is the goal of the game just to meet someone else? No, the goal of the game is just to become more powerful, amass power. Also... Disagree. The goal of the game... Sean, that's what That's what I do in Minecraft. Not, okay, okay. Well, you, you say what you want to say then, because hold on. Okay, I'm making sure the guy's name. Sean Murray has said before, on multiple podcasts or multiple interviews, whatever you want to look on, he's saying the goal of the game is whatever the player wants to make it. If it's if, Mike, if you want to go out and uh, you know archive this entire, I want to hunt that, down this alien species. Yeah, exactly. If you want to do that, that's up to you. If you want to mine resources and make your money to uh, upgrade your warp drive to get to the center of the universe, that's what you can do. If you want to explore and name every planet and piss on everything that you find, you know, and market is yours. That's what you do. Every there. He said before, if you want to mine resources just to trade and like that, you just exist in trading and you don't even hit the planets. You just trade and like, you know, exist in that way and, and upgrade your shit to trade more. Cause you get a high from that, that you can do. The point is there is no set goal. Very much like Minecraft. Oh it God. is set by yourself. This is exactly like, this is the video game version of the Seinfeld skit. It's There's a game no about nothing. It's a game about nothing, except it's, it's set in you know the universe. I, I mean, guess. I mean, there's specific plot choices that are here that that I feel like we're not understanding. There we're are getting. no plot. Like, well, there listen, no, none. listen, absolutely. Not. Well, you're, you're. This is what I'm saying. You're missing it fundamentally. Where do you start? You, you start, start on, on a random, random planet. planet. Why? <laughs> Why do you do that? Who are you? Because you're exploring. There you're is no explorer. who are you. There's you no, guys are fucking there's no lost reasoning your... for that? Right. Who are you in Counter-Strike? I, I am a counter-terrorist <laughs> hunting down. No, Mike, they, in the, the demo. These freedom fighters. Right, right. In the demo that they run at conventions, they have everyone start on one planet. But they for the retail release, they want to make it so that you'll the mathematical chance of you running into someone is infinitesimally low. But come on. I mean, even in the trailers, they're showing, like, you can fly in a flight with, like, your friends. and like, Those, are, no, those, are, those are NPCs. Mostly the NPCs. That Get out of yeah, town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mostly yeah. NPCs. They, he, Sean Murray specifically said that they so don't want of... you, they actually don't want you to run into people. They don't want you to match up with your friends, meet up on this planet. So, so that note, Ryan is pissed and will not play this game. No, I'm very interested in this game because it's the first game since Minecraft that you are really exploring. Yeah, actually. You actually don't explore in Skyrim. Even though you think you do, you're really just basically. You're in like a linear path. You're going through what someone has thought before. Yeah, it's a pre-constructed adventure. A new universe. Really like you're exploring Earth. I'm excited about this game because it's going to be a VR game. I swear it is. And that by itself will be novel enough to make this game awesome and awe-inspiring, finding these dinosaurs that look like they're really there, jumping into your spaceship. The fucking spaceship shit so looks good. awesome. I'm sorry. Like it's you like just the Luke Skywalker in. thing where you're on a planet and you're just yeah, like, Yeah, you can I'm just out. hop out and be like, I'm, da- I'm bouncing. I'm- My one final thought about this is um, 
totally blanked out. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, I, I have I, had a stroke. In other news, Fable Legends, the Xbox and Windows 10 exclusive, was finally canceled good. after no. Well, that's good news because after absolutely no uh, interest shown in the game for endless years at this point, yeah, it was 2008. announced in 2000, 2008. Yeah. I mean, Get they screwed up. They didn't make the, a new ha- Fable game. That's yeah, what they should they have made. made. Something totally different. What kind of game was Fable Legends? Fable Legends was a dungeon master type game where there were four. It was ace, uh, asymmetrical gameplay PvP where four players were on a team trying to fight through a temple, well, a temple or a dungeon that was designed by a dungeon master who is the other player that they're playing against. You so know what? A dungeon master. And so it's an asymmetrical game. I mean, Evolve had a lot of hype. It came out. Really, it's a very this little game fanfare. This did not have a lot of uh, hype. But a lot I'm of saying games, this yeah, idea where there were these Ace. asymmetrical games that were supposed to come out, they were going to be exciting and big, and really, that trend kind of died down before this game could hit that trend. I agree. So Asymmetrical gaming is really interesting and cool, but it just you can't get a player base that is interested in playing both sides and will therefore be willing to... Like, what? let's say... The dungeon master role is not nearly as fun as being one of the dungeon crawlers who goes through and fights things. You can't get a player base that way. So, and and you know, if you don't have a good matchmaking system and it's not supported and people aren't playing, it's just not going to work. And that was the problem with Evolve. Ten years from now, there's going to be a hipster group of people who have a server running for Fable Legends, Excellent. the unreleased yeah. game. Here's the beta why, is still up right now. Here's, and we'll here's be up why a little longer. Uh, but in the in the end, a lot of people out of a job. Very sad to hear. Hope. Everything goes well for them. Yeah. Best to them. Amazon Japan is now shipping games internationally. We're going to stitch in Ian's segment on this right now. You'll hear that starting now. Yeah, Ian will be very, very excited about that. EA Sports made over a billion dollars in microtransactions last year and makes somewhere around that every year. I literally cannot fathom what sort of microtransactions are happening in a sports game? Like, are you getting, like, different colored jock straps or something? Like, do, I do, hope do, so. Do you just, like, not that's see what I it, want. but you know that your players are wearing I your all-matching well, pink jock straps? I'm actually not game. sure, but I could imagine they're paying, like, for every season there's, like, a new entry. I'm not sure. I can't no, imagine. That's, that's where the new game comes from. It's crazy. I can't imagine a game where you play endless hours of and you just want to buy stuff that only cosmetically improves the experience at all. That sounds insane to me. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, that game is talking about Counter Strike <laughs> no, with skins. He's not talking about Counter Strike. He's talking about real life with clothing. <laughs> I understand. Mirror's Edge. It just says Mirror's Edge. <laughs> okay, so they, there was a new trailer for Mirror's Edge, and they showed off uh, the combat. And people kind of just watched it and said, mm, looks like Mirror's Edge. But yeah. it apparently shows off some technology uh, where where Faith moves more fluidly, and you can take off with increased speed in any direction, which generally plays into the game where uh, be mobile, run up walls, be fast, and parkour the shit out of That was always the more fun parts of my Mirror's Edge. I happen to like Here's Mirror's Edge Here's the thing, though. Uh, just like uh, transitioning from Left 4 Dead 1 to Left 4 Dead 2, I didn't like that demo. It looked like the, the, the engine is too complex. I like the idea of speed moving in one direction, like and taking off and without having to like look in that forward, you know, or look backwards, take off behind you. 
Um, it looked very clunky. Uh, I don't think it looked anywhere near as smooth as Mirror's Edge 1. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Mirror's Edge 1 was real smooth, had that slowed down uh, mechanic. But even more impressive, Ryan, this was actually something more that you would do. I loved when I could do some kick-ass karate shit and like parkour nonsense without the slowdown mechanic. Yeah. I was playing with a friend when it first came out. We were trying to get through this certain segment and there was this guy in this room like right around a corner or something. And he was just like, what I want you to do, I want you to run off of that wall right at the corner and look around because you had that turnaround yeah. mechanic with one of the bumpers and you quickly turned around, then turn around and kick the guy in the face jumping off the wall. And I did exactly that <laughs> and it was the best it feeling. Great. I'm excited for Mirror's Edge. I hope they don't change too yeah, much of that, I hope, I the hope combat because just take out the shooting and it would be fine, I swear. I mean, if it needed anything more to improve on something that's already yeah. pretty good, they can literally make a second version of that. And you have a topic for us this week. I do. And um, does story mean everything in a game? Is a story required for a game? Does story mean everything in a game? Well, so we've is, been talking about story in games for, for a while. A while. Basically since we started episode. the podcast. Yeah. Before we started the podcast, that's like a long conversation we had. Basically why we started the podcast is to talk about stories in sure. games. So how I started it to talk about to get myself a career in this field, which is a ridiculous endeavor, but whatever. That's the same thing. So um so how thing. how I feel about it is uh, and and while involving the games that we talked about, uh games that have story are the things that really grab me in and let me play Skyrim for 300 hours. Uh versus things that games that really should be marketed as tech demos. As much as I love Mirror's Edge, um, the story really wasn't there. You kind of just pick up on a woman's life for about a week and then the game ends. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I find it to be more of a tech demo, more about her cunning and, you know, how she can like run around walls and parkour. Yeah, and, I just right. I actually exclusively skipped all of yeah. the cutscenes. So my they contention, like insurance commercials and they were terrible. My, right. Those were terrible. My contention has always been. And I said on episode one of this podcast, there is no good story in mm. games mm. and we went on episode one you go back to, to the archives where and joey I went through on episode two about and 20 listed off 20 great stories and i still contend you I'm haven't in... played most of them right you right. played well, portal 2 them... that was like the only one that you i think I'm, I'm saying that almost every game has a horrible story particularly in terms of games with shitty cutscenes that don't really add anything to the gameplay now what a game that came out during the run of this podcast was Firewatch, 
We all played it. I know you played it. And to me, that kind of is a turning point in game stories. For, for me, the story in Skyrim was relevant. I, I don't really understand what you mean by you like the story. I think there were narrative beats, but the overarching story is not something I was really interested in. You missed things then. Certainly missed things. It um, was a, a sprawling I, world. I mean, to, to, to more define it, like you guys hyped up Firewatch for me. And I, really, I, d- I did no hyping. Up I, I walked into it I did thinking none. that I would really love it. And the point in like when I walked away and the game ended and I, I got onto the helicopter spoilers, uh, I thought that the chick you're talking to is a little bit of a slut. A I, slut. I, thought, Damn. I thought that she like is just trying to talk to you to like be her like boy toy thing that she never actually meets up with she you. could have easily been i don't think that constitutes sure her that's great slut, but that's She's, a great she, concept she, she leads you on and you never get with her like you're like yeah like forget my wife who's comatose i'm gonna go hang out with that lady and we can easily we meet should up. put a huge spoiler one we, before we talk we about can most of this we game, can yeah. get on this helicopter together Spire and go live off together too. and is that the reality she goes uh no and then you say something along the lines of like well maybe you can drive down to my house and she goes uh maybe in 10 years when i think about you yeah what the like fuck you that was just a narrative device really i mean that was only the ending because you couldn't meet her because they don't have multiple characters i'm sorry she was the first one to say like in at some point in the game she's like we should like hang out after the summer she like literally says it to you and then at the end she's like "Mm, no. <laughs> okay, but I think that tension was great, and the storytelling in that game I surpasses agree. almost every other game that there is a story. Yeah. In. I yeah, agree. Yeah. I was just frustrated. I, with I the think that game is. Ending. I think that game is is short enough to feed you a lot of information quickly and have like a quick richness of of story for you to walk away, uh, feeling like it's more than a tech demo. But uh, I, obviously, we're gonna play uh, Mist all. all together or separately or whatever the case is but the real game that I think that everyone should play that I've always thought was what concerning the, story you concerning mean, yeah. story very deep uh, probably 100 hours is The Witcher 3 um, uh-huh. that game is deep the mechanics are deep the lore is so deep it has multiple books there's a book series that was translated multiple times finally to English mm-hmm. um, and I think that the, sto- the, the story that you're playing lends a lot to those books. I mean, obviously, there wouldn't be a game without them, but it the the love interest, the character history, like, as a new player, I tried playing The Witcher 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Impossible. They're just outdated and just, you couldn't do it. This, I was thinking about going into Witcher 2 because I have The Witcher 3 and I fell off of it because I was just like, I don't know who these people are. Geralt talks to himself too much. Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And these mechanics, you, I was—I thought the mechanics you, were kind of clunky. You learn quickly who who people are. Uh, if you do like the reading of like passages that you find, sure. you actually find that you yourself are referenced quite often because you've just such a prolific being in this world, being right. a Witcher. Um, but I, I think that that game uh, requires the story. I think. That even without it, the mechanics of the RPG are there, but I think but what really sta- makes it the Grand Slam big seller is the story. But even standing on its own, the Wild Hunt, Witcher 3, is still stands Nuts. on its own. Yeah, the yeah. story itself. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Ryan, your feelings on, on story? On Witcher again? 3, I mean... I, you don't I, know about Witcher 3. I have not played an RPG that intense ever. I would be down you to... played Skyrim. I played Skyrim. Skyrim. Not... I would be down to dive into the Witcher 3. Here's a question I have for you, Ryan. Uh, obviously, esports type games aside, games where multiple multiplayer is is the core focus. What was the best game that you've ever played 
with story apart from these games that you've played on I, I, I always say I could, Portal I, 2. Yeah, right. Portal I think 2, Portal absolutely. 2 has an incredible story uh, before Firewatch. Okay, yeah. I also think that in terms of world building, which I see as separate to story, I always thought when I was a kid that um, Ocarina of Time and Super Mario did pretty incredible world and building. Super Mario? <laughs> well, you... <laughs> I'm a plumber. What do you want? <laughs> no, you, you existed in a world, and you got to see it fleshed out. Right. Ryan always takes words that have actual associations with like with concrete concepts, and like turns them into like, oh, it's a world because it exists somewhere in a video game cartridge. Yeah. But like, like he says, like, well, it's an adventure game because you go on adventures. It's not an adventure game I mean, if you're not I doing mean, well, tropey things in adventure games. I mean, so one of the things that Ryan. Um, that I, that I, why, why I understand what Ryan is coming for, like why he didn't like, uh, why he thinks that the story was beating in um, Skyrim was because like there are things in Skyrim where like you can pick up a book and really read about yeah. a topic in the story. I actually hate that to a degree. <laughs> I think that that's like a little too deep and where it is only like six or seven pages, I realize like I'm sitting, if it's a particularly long book, for 10 minutes in my computer chair reading text off of a book on a screen not <laughs> engaging in a game i mean and you are you are engaging in a part of the game part I, of it is that there's this it's like the one would be very cool in skyrim the addition that i would make is if they had great voice actors read every book and you're walking with a companion and yeah. you're like read me this book while I'm well that doesn't head. actually make any sense you so. have a person <laughs> reading the book to you a companion walking oh. reading the book to you as you walk around the that path. is so dope That's that it. would be cool <laughs> we're gonna have to talk to people on like the source mod for yeah let's get that. bethesda on the phone it's great yeah. so joe from screen watchers we so want yeah, to talk about skyrim 2 <laughs> so i just think not elder scrolls 6 skyrim 2 only yeah. i just think there's this like really annoying kids that i hear online and they talk about mm -hmm. the story being so great in games and it like it very clearly for a lot of these games the story is just written it's very as divisive. an afterthought yeah. it really is just thrown in to propel the narrative forward N and i just nintendo has always exclusively made their zelda games mechanics and puzzles and all you know the base gameplay first and then layers the story and the lore on top of it afterwards like every zelda right. game that's how they make it that's why I said the world and building in Zelda was interesting, but not yeah. the story garbage. Yeah, yeah the actual yeah. narrative thread so, in the games. I happen to think that there is absolutely a uh, a discussion happening of like, does does a game need gameplay? Does a game need story? I think it doesn't necessarily need either because they're both they're becoming so fluidly different. And games, the word game is now becoming this, you know, kind of. Uh, arbitrary thing like we did we just like it's very nebulous like what a game is because you know the last of us is a game because you interact with it you can win or lose and you can shoot but there's this narrative that could easily exist on its own it doesn't require investment through the gameplay for you to like okay accept this crappy story the last of us could have easily been a novel and essentially is it's the road um but I think that we're now entering a period where finally we're getting good writers and great, you know, uh, lore builders and things like that into games. And the the entire gaming industry or gaming culture is evolving in a way that's very similar to another medium. I'm going to throw this down on you guys. The video game, the history of video games 
as an art form is evolving in a very operatic fashion. So in operas, you have basically, uh, you have what's called recitatives and you have arias. Arias are the big songs where everyone's singing and everything's lovely. And recitatives are where people are singing, but it's really just to get the dialogue moving. So there's the story elements and then there's the entertainment of arias, of the songs. And that's essentially how games have been functioning and movies even for a long time, like a big action movie. You have these big action segments, then you have the part that moves the plot along. During the arias in an opera, there's not a lot of plot happening. It's just, I love you, I love you, why do I love you, I love you, I love you. It's the same words repeated over and over like a song, whereas the recitative is always dialogue, just in song form. Games are ha- existing in the same way where in, say, The Last of Us, you play a certain segment of lots of guys just coming at you, coming at you, and then eventually you have to run and you use your guns and you play gameplay. And then you finally get to a cutscene, and then story happens and it goes back and forth. Uh, or maybe say a, uh, a game separate from that, maybe like Uncharted. I can't I obviously can't think of anything but Naughty Dog games. Whereas The Last of Us, things happen in the in the gameplay sequences that are very story driven and they aren't about like the, the gameplay thrill of like that Twitch shot, like, you know, headshot or whatever. It's about realizing that, Oh, that this, this character's over here and you're in the moment playing this game. And they do really cool tricks with the gameplay that trick with your mind and have to do with the narrative. So I feel like games are now taking this path. Right, where so gameplay and the story are finally coalescing to be one big thing. So you've gotten to the point where we have to play The Last of Us, obviously. You have to fucking play The Last that of Us. That is really... It is pushing the... I, a lot of people will hate on The Last of Us. Nope. I agree it's not... A perfect lot, game. I, it's def, I don't think it's a perfect game. I will agree that it's not like this obscenely crazy masterful thing that like, oh my God, well, how did <laughs> no one ever think of this amazing thing before? It's just finally pushing the medium in a way it's always been going and it's just a great pinnacle to stop and reflect on how far games have come and it's a great story that was really high concept but i appreciate it <laughs> yeah all re- right really intense but yeah, yeah definitely gameplay and story i mean that's what i love about firewatch they merge and it's beautiful i think the gameplay you you define gameplay as a couple interesting things like you said in when you have agency sure in okay. the game when you can change what you see by your interaction with it okay. that is what i, I think i people. agree with that a lot I of people there was so much agency in firewatch there was agency in that you could like i spent a lot of time in firewatch picking up a ball throwing it up and trying to catch it I see just, but that's not that's like not agency game. that we're that's talking not about core game if you could light this motherfucker up and burn this forest down <laughs> before the end of the story like that's agency no that me. is narrative that would inf- actually inform the narrative. What I'm talking about is actually just simply being able to have agency in the world while the story is being told to you. And in Firewatch, it's connected. You can change the story as it's coming at you. You can add your own bit to it, kind of. Mm. All right. Well, gameplay, you know, I think a game, in order for it to be a game, it needs to have gameplay. It doesn't need to have a good story. I think story is a very much evolving in the space and it's good to see definitely interesting i mean, I mean we'll, we'll continue to come back to this absolutely. as new games come out that inform the discussion I, I mean i think well my, my final note on that then is that like text-based adventures exist and if that's literally the opposite of what you say it is exclusively lore and zero gameplay yeah yeah that's a text-based adventure it's not, not even a game to me that's i i would swear it's not a game if it also you if have it, a game right here on your monitor that i'm looking at 
Emily, Emily is, is away. away. It's not that a game. Literal Absolutely text, not a game. That's unreal. The, the, Emily away. I have a whole record. whole other discussion on like na- games and non games. Don't like the term non game, but need it for now. Like a lot of walking simulators, not really games. I call them non games. Uh, Emily is away, a non game. No, I think we have three fourths home. Three fourths home, a non game. I think a non game is a type of game. Yeah, I, I agree. with I that. think that is retarded and makes no sense in the English language. Okay. A non-game is that a not a game. <laughs> that's the definition of. All right. It. If you have any thoughts to weigh in on this, you can contact at what is our email again? It's screenwatchersgamescast at gmail at gmail Also, you need to go on iTunes and gives us stars. What we found, we heard actually, that if you give us hundred and twenty stars, an unlock will happen above our friend's studio. Secret powers we'll give, we'll give it to the podcast. So <laughs> we're going to need stars. 120 stars. You can only get five Serious at a time, Mario 64 but reference. Oh, you can not make multiple accounts on iTunes. All right, all right, relax. Please leave us a review and uh, give us a couple of stars if you feel so inclined. We're looking for 120. I let, mean, us we're trying to collect <laughs> let us Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we could do better. Email us at screenwatchersgamescast at gmail.com. Get to us at either Pocket Casts or iTunes Podcasts. Like us on Facebook. Yeah, facebook.com slash screenwatchers. Follow me at Joey Dagabonis on Twitter. Other than that, I don't know. We're out. Have a great week. Thanks for letting me on.